and welcome back. You are watching the Food Taku Podcast. My name is Emily. I'm here today with my co-host, Paul, and we've got a special guest joining us, Frank. Frank is the ramen guy around town. Seriously, if you want a bowl of ramen, you, you come here and you meet with Frank and he takes you to the most amazing places. Frank, do you want to tell us a little bit about your business and what you do here in town? Absolutely, no. I think uh, you summed it up nicely. My body's made up of ramen at this stage, probably more than <laughs> anything else. But no, I simply love ramen um, and uh, eat, eat a lot of it in Tokyo and uh, throughout Japan. So uh, a lot of uh, what I do is centered centered on ramen, whether it's ramen tours, uh, instant ramen uh, subscriptions from Japan. Uh, so, so a lot of things ramen related. And uh, yeah, ramen's a wonderful dish, as I'm sure you both uh, agree. It is um, yes. you know, Japan's uh, soul food, I think, if there, uh, if there was a dish. I That's think. a great, great way of putting it, soul food. I like that. Oh, I guess it is. Well, okay, um, Frank, so I have some serious questions to ask you, but <laughs> I think we need to get something out of the way. There's a great debate online, which is how would you rank ramen, udon, soba and skimen like what order would you put them in from best to worst I'm, I'm biased and i think you know everyone has a preference right those those dishes that you mentioned you know i think ramen and skimen are well more than cousins they're closely related right because skimen is uh you know an offshoot of ramen right that is uh, dipping yeah, ramen yeah, yeah. thicker noodles uh, often a thicker soup but not always so so let's um say i, I personally eat more ramen than skimen but skimen is wonderful uh, you know, completely different experience, but soba and udon like um, are are great too. It's um, I'm I'm again biased because of my ramen uh, eating ways, but soba and udon like we can't forget them. They're such an important part of Japanese, you know, the Japanese culinary world. I, for example, um, not to go off on a tangent here, but I love going up to Nagano and just having amazingly fresh soba that's made from the purest Nagano mountain water. Um, uh, you know, there, there's, there's something to be said for soba and udon. You know, if you're in Kagawa, the region of Shikoku, uh, you know, within Shikoku, like you gotta have udon. So I think it depends on where you are in the country, like what you'll be eating. Um, you know, ramen is more diverse than those uh, two dishes, including skemen, but mm. definitely a, a big place for soba and udon. So a more diplomatic answer from me, but I think, um, <laughs> I think that's... a uh, how, how, how I look at it. Well, I feel like it's the king of noodles in this town. You have to be diplomatic to all of the, the noodles out there, not, so as not to offend anybody. Paul, do you have an opinion about this question? So I think it kind of comes down to something we slightly talked about like three minutes ago before we started about like pho versus ramen. Mm. And for me, it's it's like what I'm actually in the mood for. and And I don't know if it's because of like I haven't, I've eaten a lot of ramen here in the States. And the one time I had it in Japan or when I was in Japan, it was only a little bit here and there. Cause I literally leaned on like rice dishes while I was out there. Cause it just was easier to come by and easier to eat for me. Mm. But like, if I want, let's say a really intense, like rich bowl of food, I'm probably going to lean on ramen. But then if I want like udon, I feel like I can have that like in the middle of the day. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things and just kind of like it, it goes down easy. It's really easy to eat. It's also sometimes cheaper depending on where you go. And like I would lean on that. So came in, I, I feel like it's closer to the ramen category for me. So like those two is just what I'm feeling at a restaurant. But I, I don't know. Do you guys feel kind of that as well with each variation? Like you're, it, it's more of like what I'm feeling at this particular moment is what I'm going to eat. Mm. 
I think yes and no to some extent. I mean, I think personally, for me, my number one is udon, followed by ramen, what? kamen, and soba. We have yeah. to stop the podcast. No, I'm joking. I know. We can't go. We got the wrong person. <laughs> did I did I mishear? Look, Please continue. I think I think udon is the best of both worlds. Like sometimes ramen, I feel like the broth can be really, really heavy and rich and fatty, and that's good sometimes. But with udon, you usually always get like a nice, light, clean broth. But what I like about ramen are kind of the thicker, chewier noodles, and you get that with udon. You have those nice, fat noodles. So to me, it's it's like the nice chewiness of ramen, but with the clean broth of of a udon like soup. And therefore, I think that udon is better personally. But here's here's a little a little side note in this journey of noodles i will say that if you're in okinawa and you have okinawan soba that's a complete mm. game changer okay it's like it's like the cleanest freshest ramen that you've ever had with like the biggest fattest chunks of pork it's so good it's so good and if we're ranking yeah 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 if we're ranking if we're ranking with okinawan soba in mind that might take first for me beating out udon and ramen which is i think truly shocking i love that though i, I love the yeah. diversity and like what we all just said you know because because <laughs> for me it always just comes down to what it, what mood am i in and then i go after that food mm-hmm. right versus like me having a favorite because i don't mm. i don't think i have a favorite like i i I just can't just it's like picking you know one of my two favorite cats like i love both of them almost equally sometimes <laughs> right no. like yeah but other than that, I, I kind of wanted to ask Frank. So, like, I, I was looking at your, your website, your your ramen tours website, which is very beautiful, by the way. And I wish I had any skills of website building. Um, well, thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> I have. Um, <laughs> I, I can't take all the credit, but please, uh, yeah, continue. I'm gonna give you all the credit because it's yours. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you. Um, what what I want to ask when you when you take someone on a ramen tour, right? Which if you guys are watching this and you want to do a ramen tour through Japan, or I think primarily through Tokyo, if I'm not mistaken, yes. links are going to be down below. So you guys can check that out. And I know a lot of you guys are flying out there right now. So maybe hit them up. It's probably going to be an amazing experience, but what is the thing that you get asked the most mm. when you take people on a ramen tour? Mm. Yeah, that's a very good question. Question I get asked the most why are your jokes so bad? That's perfect. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, um, guys. It's like the that's dad joke. Yeah, why it's going to be a great tour. Why is this tour 90% dad joke? Um, no, I, I, question I ask the most. Um, you know, th- there's so many different questions. I think a lot of people coming to Japan, there's curiosity, not, not just about ramen. Even if people are booking a ramen tour, they're like, why are things like this in Japan? Um, this is going off in a different direction, like, but why are people still wearing masks outside, for example? Not like, in a like, why are they doing this, but like curiosity. So I think there's a lot of curiosity surrounding uh, things that maybe make uh, Japan unique, whether it's, you know, overall behavior of people, um, you know, why is the food so good? And I'm trying to think of like one question that maybe stands out the most, but there, there's so many because people are just so curious about uh, Japan again, again, whether it's the food or yeah. just just the way things are, Tokyo, like often being described as so, organized so more chaos. like almost mm-hmm. like cultural questions Absolutely. versus maybe just the food questions. I think so. And once we're diving into the food, then those other food questions will come up, right? The ramen comes in gotcha. front, uh, you know, is in front of people, and it's like, oh, I'm getting this flavor. You know, why is it like this? 
Um, on the ramen tours, this is not so much a question, but I think people are very surprised to find out that ramen is only about 100 years old. So going back to the dishes mm. we discussed before, soba and udon, for example, are much older. But a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, I, I didn't know that. Maybe they wouldn't ask it in the beginning. But when I mentioned that, they're like, oh, ramen is pretty young, considering how old Japan is. <laughs> yeah, that is something that I really, really like about. I think the history of ramen is really fascinating. I've read like literal textbooks on, on the subject because I'm such a nerd. Um, but can you, Frank, can you go into any detail about like, give us like a, a little backstory? How did, how did the ramen culture start up in Japan and how did it become this thing that we know today as, in your words, like the soul food of Japan? Absolutely. No, happy to, uh, I'll give an abridged version so we don't uh, take up, uh, three hours, but, uh, lo long story short, a lot of Chinese immigrants came to Japan at the turn of the century, and as they've done around the world, they were uh, you know, building Chinatowns, let's say, and a lot more than before, let's say, different Chinese noodle dishes were available to the general public here in Japan. And what happened was a lot of people decided to localize those dishes. They took those Chinese noodle soup dishes and said, hey, let's uh, tweak the recipes. So unlike maybe sobar udon, which as, as was mentioned earlier, maybe like a lighter soup or maybe dashi, which would include things like kelp, you know, th this happened later. But th these little adjustments made, kind of bringing the two worlds together, maybe like a meteor chicken or pork based, let's say Chinese noodle soup combined with a little bit of Japanese, more uh, a more delicate touch in terms of those. So, so kind of bringing those two worlds together. So Chinese origin dish eventually became a distinctly Japanese dish after it was localized. So that's mm, essentially the story of ramen. I like that because my my sciencey brain immediately thinks like maybe because of the sodium bicarbonate in the in the noodles. Mm, right? Wow, like, wow! I love the I love the <laughs> I love the details there. The, well, that's that's the only thing I can think mm -hmm. of is I'm like okay, maybe a hundred years ago they didn't have sodium bicarbonate or some way of making it. And like to give it the ramen like its traditional chewiness, mm, mm, mm. right? Because I'm assuming like when you make a bone broth for ramen, you have to like emulsify the broth by boiling the bones for a long mm, time. Mm. And that's been around for thousands of years. Mm. The only thing I could think of is really just the noodles, right? Because if you really think about like the, the udon or buckwheat, both of them are primarily just flour and water, whether yeah. or not it's, it's wheat flour or uh, buckwheat flour. But then Robin is the one that introduces the bicarbonate. So that's why I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that old because of this. That's well, bicarbonate point. and also meat, right, Frank? Like people in Japan didn't eat meat until mm. like very recently in in the scope of history because it was against, uh, you know, religious practices for a long time. And then the war came and everyone was starving and people kind of resorted to eating things that they wouldn't normally eat, including meat. Which I think is so funny because now meat culture in Japan is insane, <laughs> you know. You both bring up two amazing points. I feel, you know, I mean, this this is awesome. Like, I think th those two things you mentioned, right? Like ramen, you know, even though uh, we have a little, lot of different variations with ramen soup, right? Uh, not nowadays. Like maybe being younger, like there's a lot more experimentation than other, like let's say Japanese noodle dishes, even soba udon, for example. Um, that, that being said, maybe ramen noodles are more defined by the alkaline mineral water, which gives them that, you know, more elasticity, as you mentioned, more chewiness, right? That's what makes ramen noodles unique. And maybe that's part of the younger history of uh, ramen. And then also, uh, to your point, Emily, I think if we branch off that, 
the meatiness of you know some soups that's more of a recent thing right uh -huh. and we look at post-world war ii like that's when ramen really took off um you know the americans uh, here had introduced a lot of wheat flour and you know one way to get rid of that wheat flour was to make ramen noodles so yeah, you know yeah. the, it was a huge uh, takeoff after that so those two points you highlighted uh, definitely led to the growth of ramen and um yeah mm. absolutely I find food history to be really fascinating, especially when you hone in on like one topic mm. versus a broader like topic of ramen in this case, you know, like, yeah, because it, it's so interesting to say like, oh, like you said, ramen sounds like it's been around for a thousand years, but it's really been around since the late 40s, realistically, mm. right? Yeah. If, if, if that, if you consider post-World War era and it's like how, how many other dishes that we think of as being ancient are really not, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's when my mind starts to spin. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, OK, history of ramen aside, which is very cool. We could go in forever on it because I agree with you, Paul, like food history is my thing. And that's what I'm that's what I'm doing on my channel these days. And it's so fun to explore just like that one sort of thing. Um, and Japan as a country is full of those kind of like one food that you could explore forever. Like I'm having a, a video come out soon about Christmas cake uh, and like the very specific history of that. But but sort of putting all that aside, um, Frank, I'm really curious. So you give this ramen tour. Can you describe for us like um, what would the average experience be like what kind of ramen are people trying and like what do you think is the ramen that tourists yeah what's the have feedback? got to try yeah, yeah. what do they say when, I they, want all, when they come I want here. all the juicy stuff uh, yeah. absolutely uh the most popular ramen tour is one where we visit three ramen restaurants and each person gets six mini bowls of ramen and when i say mini bowls like one fourth your standard size so this is me partnering with the ramen shops and saying hey let's not nice let's not have that full bowl represent their whole ramen experience because again ramen is so diverse right and it continues mm -hmm. to be so because it's okay to try new things that being said um you know one thing that maybe people are surprised by is how much they like the lighter ramens i think you both highlighted right there's a you know, soba, for example, uh, udon, you know, it's that beautifully light soup, right? But you do have lighter ramen, even if it can be a little bit meatier, let's say, than uh, soba or udon. But yeah. people that maybe have not had like a beautiful shio or salt seasoned ramen before yep. with like a clear broth, uh, maybe they've up to now outside of Japan, especially in North America, have only had tonkotsu or pork bone ramen or spicy miso. You know, those two seem to be on the menu everywhere. But that's not what they eat in Tokyo and a lot of the country. You know, we have soy sauce, shoyu, or shio, salt seasoned ramen. So when people... It's also cheaper. And, they're, and they can be cheaper. And, and when, they, um, when they sample these, they're like blown away. They're like, wow, actually, of the six mini bowls I had, which can include some richer ones, maybe a miso or a, a tonkotsu, pork bone. They're like, my, the shio was the favorite. My favorite. Mm. We just haven't been exposed that, to it. Yeah. That's wow. the one that I order every time I go to a ramen shop. Amazing. For the most part, I order shio, you know, or shoyu because I I'm I'm a salt fiend. I really enjoy that and like I like the lighter tasting ones. You know, so that I would have probably been in the same boat. Amazing, for, amazing. For for any of our listeners who aren't familiar with like the kinds of ramen, can you explain that really quickly? Because I know when I first started getting into ramen, the concept of like shoyu versus shio versus tonkotsu, I was like, what's the difference between all of these? Like, I don't really understand. And it's still a little confusing, if I'm being honest, because there's such a wide variety of like ways that you can have ramen. Confusing for me so too you... sometimes, because there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. No, no. Happy to. The, the way I like to think of it is, um, you know, I, I often call them the big four. That is shoyu and shio, or soy sauce and salt seasoned ramen. Those are defined by the seasoning, right? The seasoning going in first,、mm-hmm. and then the soup poured directly on top of that. Maybe a soy sauce seasoning or shoyu seasoning, for example,、uh, for the listeners out there holding up, let's say, a chicken and pork bone soup. So、mm-hmm. shoyu and shio,、okay. soy sauce and salt seasoning, are two of the four. And then maybe on the heavier side, not always, but let's say we've got miso ramen. So miso is the seasoning, and then also、mm-hmm. tonkotsu or pork bone ramen. So shoyu, shio, and miso are defined by the seasoning, whereas tonkotsu or pork bone ramen is defined by the soup.、Mm-hmm. But tonkotsu can be、uh, seasoned with soy sauce or salt、yeah. uh, as yeah, well. But it, but it's、me. not a shoyu or shio ramen. <laughs> it's it's with that you know milky、uh, even white colored、right. soup. Maybe if you add some、uh, more soy sauce. Then it can get a little bit、uh, more latte in color, let's say, and then there's like tonkotsu shoyu, for example, where the 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 soup is very rich and creamy from boiling those pork pork bones, as you mentioned, Paul. But um, also、uh, on top of that, they will be using a really bold soy sauce that maybe is, is super salty, and and so in in that sense, the pork bone soup is like. On equal footing with the soy sauce, so that's tonkotsu shoyu. They do that in Yokohama. They do that in Wakayama and other part of the country. So we've got all these little offshoots based on these big four. And this is not even to include like skemen, dipping ramen, right? Which is another category.、Mm-hmm. There's uh, 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 soupless ramen. You know, there's tantanmen, or, or which is based off of dandan noodles.、Uh, there's tammen,、yeah. uh, which is salt seasoned but with a lot of stir fried vegetables. This is around the Tokyo region.、Mm-hmm. So the list goes on and on. But I like to think of it as、mm-hmm. those big four, and then a lot of、uh, offshoots from there and completely different styles.、Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because, like, I. I would have never thought of like the the soupless noodles being considered ramen, like those few that you mentioned at the end, where technically maybe they're still using ramen noodles, but I would never consider that like, oh, I just got ramen, right? If that,、mm. I, I don't know if does that make sense in that regard. Definitely, I think even in Japan, people tend to think of ramen with the soup, and I, I guess it gets it gets tricky if we go back in history too, like、um, tantan men or don, based on donna noodles, like they've kind of. I guess you could say retained more of their Chinese roots. You know, there haven't been as many adjustments made. But that dish, for example, started out soupless actually in Sichuan Province in China. So, not that all ramen were based around that noodles, but some of those noodle dishes coming from China were soupless. And when I say soupless, just more of a thick sauce, right? So there was definitely a place for those soupless ramen. And today we've got soupless ramen as well. In the context of Japan, abura soba. A soupless ramen, more after the fifties, so not exactly you know young, but but not, yeah, not not old, not not super old either. So so, anyways, I guess what I'm saying is that yeah, soupless ramen has a place, and that definition of where you draw the line could be different for different people, right?、Mm-hmm. Whether it should、yeah. include the soup or not.、Mm-hmm. So、yeah. I guess this is, this is a question for both of you guys. Then what's the The like, I don't want to say strangest because it's going to be good to anybody. But like a ramen that you got, where you're like, I I almost don't know if I consider this ramen, right? Maybe something super eclectic, you know? Maybe something a little bit off the wall. I mean, I guess I can start because this just comes to mind. Is I was in New York and、uh, I had a bowl of ramen at a restaurant called Ivan Ramen. And I I think it was like a Michelin star ramen restaurant, right? Like the only Michelin star ramen chef who's not Japanese or something like that. And it was like this bowl of tonkatsu that I swear 
was like thick enough to almost be gravy because of how much they emulsified the pork bones. And, and, and I don't remember what it had on top of it. I remember the pork being tender. It was just one of those like surreal experiences of like, is this actually food? Because it was that mm. good. Mm. And it was probably one of the best bowls of ramen I've ever had in my life. But I don't think I would get it again because it was so rich and so heavy that the next day I was like, I am literally sweating pork in the middle of a convention center. Right. So like yeah. for, for you guys, what's what's that that one ramen that comes to mind for you? Emily, why don't you go well, first? I, Sorry. Yeah, I feel like this can be interpreted a couple of different ways for me. Like, um, automatically what comes to mind is like the most unusual bowl of ramen I've ever had is a bowl that I had this summer in LA. And it was unusual, though, not for a good reason. It was unusual because it was literally like the worst bowl of ramen I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, poor and, LA. And, and it wasn't even that like the soup was fine, the noodles were fine. What really bothered me about it was that I felt like the person who put the bowl together had no sense of like proportions or like or portion sizes or anything so like there was very little broth and the noodles overwhelmed the bowl like I would stick my chopsticks in and literally just like was just pulling out like fistfuls of noodles and I was like the balance is just so off here it feels like this bowl is never ending I feel like I'm not getting anywhere like I keep eating noodles and they just they keep because there are so many of them they would just soak up all the broth that was remaining and it was like and the taste wasn't bad it was just like a not very fun dining experience because I was like this is overwhelming and not satisfying to eat versus I feel like when you eat ramen here i mean i'm sure there's good ramen places in america not to say that there aren't but the kind of style here is everything is just a lot more deliberate right you get a certain amount of noodles you get a certain amount of broth you get a certain amount of toppings and everything goes together so it feels like yeah sometimes the bowls of ramen can be a little bit big but i can satisfactorily eat a bowl of like small size ramen and be full and content and feel like I got a little bit of everything and it's just a nice satisfying experience so that that stands out to me but I would have to say like I, I think there there are some I mean Frank knows there's some really weird ramens that you can get here I had one that was uh, an Italian inspired ramen with like prosciutto and mozzarella and huh. um and a very light broth and it it wasn't bad but I also wouldn't get it again. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a, a kind of an unusual experience. Um, but I mean, I could go on. Frank, what do you think? What, what stands out to you as being kind of weird or unusual? Mm. I, I I always use this as an example, but there's a coffee shop, let's, let's call it, in northern Tokyo that, no joke, serves like a soup that is soy sauce and coffee based. They're not using a super bitter coffee, but still, it's coffee and soy sauce, right? Not two things. So going back to, yeah, I think harmony is key, right? You know, that relationship between the broth, noodles, and toppings, that's a theme for cuisine around the world, right? Harmony. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't have more noodles in the soup, all the things that were mentioned now. But yeah, so coffee and soy sauce, and then noodles that are infused with coffee as well and no joke oh that's weird very weird and no no joke like the toppings we've got them shaped in such a way that it looks like a face like a smiling face like there's kiwi (laughs) the two eyes are eggs with coffee beans on them ice cream in the middle and you know at at this point it's just it's just getting silly but 
Like, and, and this is, you know, in a country where, of course, ramen is taken very seriously, but it's a cute old couple that runs this coffee shop, right? Like, they're known for their coffee. And they have a wacky interior. You know, you can't fault them. Like, they're just having fun, right? Um, I, yeah. I had that ramen. Like, I, I, it was not for me um, in terms of flavor, right? Because I think you know, there's just so much going on. Harmony, uh, probably not a lot of it. But... It, it, it was so much fun and a lot of people go just for that ramen to get the photo because it's so bizarre. But again, it's a cute old couple running a coffee shop and they're like, let's do some coffee ramen. They got some locals like, going I, there. I think, I think you can absolutely do like a dessert ramen that can exist, right? With coffee flavors and whatever. Like I, I think you like I would think of it as like the tiramisu of ramen, right? Because tiramisu has some bitter flavors, it has some chocolate flavors, it has the sure. cream. You know, maybe the noodles are like cocoa infused and then maybe the sure. broth has some kind of coffee in it, right? But then like it's served cold. So it's just like amalgamation of stuff. But when as soon as you said kiwi, <laughs> my mind just like went into outer space. I was like imagining myself having a nice cup of coffee in the morning and i'm i I love coffee to a very bad degree like i have a very very unhealthy (laughs) debilitating debilitating degree would you say right 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 so like i search out different styles of beans to get different cocoa profiles and like the different bitterness and how acidic things will be and like how fruity they will taste and as soon as you said coffee and kiwi i just imagine myself drinking coffee and then immediately biting into a kiwi and how i don't want those flavors in my mouth together at any point in my life that's all i thought but i still want to try this ramen so i'm gonna have to try it when i come to tokyo now i I think you should um yeah bring a friend in case you're like i cannot finish the whole bowl you know uh yeah half each that's always just my, in oh, case you don't finish it yeah that's my go. biggest fear actually honestly this is a fear that i have with uh ramen and kind of on the theme of like weird bowls of ramen sometimes i'm afraid of ordering too unusual ramen because i feel it's really rude to leave a full bowl of ramen behind and be like mm-hmm. uh thank you i'm done now like i i don't know i don't like that concept very much but i'm always worried to get a bowl of ramen because i'm like okay if i get this i have to commit to it and like right. ramen bowl of ramen is no joke right so once i um there was this anime called miss koizumi loves ramen noodles and um it's just it's just a silly anime about this girl who goes around trying all the ramen like in tokyo basically and there is this ramen in i want to say saitama i'm not sure but they it's like it's a pineapple ramen like mm. the ramen oh, is that. seasoned yeah. with yeah. pineapple have you have you been out there before? I have, I have, yeah. Um, before they moved to Machida too. <laughs> oh, no, uh, Machida yeah. being west, uh, southwest, yeah, uh, Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. So this this yeah. pineapple ramen actually exists. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So it, I saw it in the anime, and I was like, "There's no way that that's real." And I, uh, in fact, I tried to. This is back when I was in my food recreation days. I I tried making it at home, and I was like, "Wow, that's disgusting." I'm never. I've made quite a few bowls of ramen at home. I was like, "I'm never doing that again." But I was like, "Maybe it's better in person." And I went, and it was not better in person. <laughs> it oh, was. No. It was. It wasn't horrible. Again, it wasn't horrible. I feel like no bowl of ramen is truly like horrible. But there was just something very subtly like wrong to me. I was like. I don't like this pineapple. It was so. So is that the argument of like I love pineapple on pizza, and I think every pizza should have pineapple on it, versus the people who (laughs) hate pineapple on pizza? Like one of those situations where like this is just not for me, or like objectively, this shouldn't exist. I I I don't I 
I didn't like it. I think objectively it should I think exist. I'd probably I think I'd probably like it then. Because <laughs> I don't know. Pineapple pizza fan. What, what, Frank, um, did you ever did you try this? I, I have. I'm curious. Like, which soup did you have? So they, they do like a, a shio, a salt seasoned soup, right? But one is with shrimp, um, and the other yeah. is not with shrimp. So I've had it with the I, shrimp. I think I got it with the shrimp as well, and I. I didn't like the combination of pineapple and shrimp. I, which is fascinating because pineapple and shrimp sounds amazing together. I kind of, you know, I, I overheard you both talking about, I think, Southeast Asian cuisine before, right? So conceptually, right, when you got that salty and sweet, like they're, they're things I think. So for me, um, yeah, maybe it's not something I would get regularly, but I didn't <laughs> hate it. Emily. Like I didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like f- fair enough. Like, is it ramen or not? Like I often use it as an example on the tours, too. Like is pineapple ramen still ramen if we're getting... Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, a <laughs> it's, uh, maybe it was an off day too. I don't know. Like, um, yeah, yeah. um, but it was, it was, again, it wasn't horrible. Like I ate it, but I was like, Ooh, this is, it just was a really, for me, an unusual combination. But speaking of like weird ramens, I've heard tale and Frank, you might have more experience, but I've heard tales of really weird things i've heard stories about chocolate ramen for like mm-hmm. valentine's day as like a special i want um, that yeah i i don't know it looked it looked questionable to me i did not partake <laughs> and i i've had um uh, a few bowls of chocolate ramen on around in and around the valentine's and like oh. when, when they're doing it right and not just putting chocolate bars you know as toppings in a soup let's say it's more like a mole right like a, a you know more savory than it is sweet so i think you know, same thing with the pineapple, right? If you're going to do something weird, like go for it. But again, coming back yeah. to harmony, right? But like, make it work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make it work. I love that's, that. That's smart. I, okay. Yeah. Mole is good. So maybe I, I, I love that. I love try. that take of like the harmony because you had mentioned about the ramen in LA, Emily, about how mm-hmm. like the proportions were all off, right? Um, I had binge watched Way of Ramen for a while. Uh, Ryan runs the channel and he he's like journeying through how to make ramen and you know really goes into it and he had mentioned and, and Frank I don't know if you can elaborate on this about how ramen is actually like proportioned in certain ways like you do a certain amount of tare to a certain amount of soup to noodles to toppings so maybe that's why everything feels very homogenous when you get like a traditional bowl of ramen and maybe that's why you were so thrown off Emily about like what is this bowl of ramen and why is there no broth in it versus the noodles, right? Is is that a big thing? Like the 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 portion the proportions of everything need to be fairly similar? Yes. I think so. I'd say so I, I'd say so too as well. I think um, just like a lot of cuisine, right? Um, you know, that amount of tare or, you know, what is going into the tare, you know, if something's off, if it's too salty, if you're using too much median, for example, to give it sweet, you know, all these things need to come into balance. Uh, same same thing with the soup. Um, so ab- absolutely, I think the relationship uh, between those three, but also like, you know, looking at those three individually, that being broth, noodles, and toppings, like, you know, the, if anything's off yeah it's gonna throw off the whole thing right you could have an excellent broth but if the noodles are not good the toppings are not good yeah so so absolutely i think um you know in way of ramen like he really uh ryan Ryan, uh, he dives deep into that um you know and making very japanese recipes too um you know he's he's done his due diligence um looking at all the recipes here so absolutely um harmony is extended I, i asked that because 
I made a, a bowl of ramen. God, was it this year or last year where it was inspired by like a character from Demon Slayer. And so I just lean into it and I took that theory to heart of like a certain amount of tade to toppings to whatever, but it was a butternut squash soup that was thinned out. And then I used like a shio tade mm-hmm. to salt it a bit, which butternut squash is traditionally a little bit sweeter. So use the salt to balance it. And then I made Szechuan peppercorn noodles to give it a little bit of heat. And then it had, uh, and and, sounds so good. Right. And it it ended up becoming really like almost like that comfort food feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It had uh, a, a honey and butter glazed chashu on top of that with like a, a bit of like fried garlic and like a few other toppings and stuff. And as I was eating it, I was like, if I got this at a ramen shop, it feels like I'm still eating ramen, even though none of the flavors would probably exist at a ramen shop mm-hmm. you know but it, it just i tried to keep it to those those main ingredients of like the tare the soup the noodles the the chashu uh the the oil the aroma oil is super important having that and i'm like those are the things that i look for when i go mm-hmm. to a ramen joint now but yeah. if you if you go to a, a ramen shop and one of those is missing does it feel like you're missing out or maybe that's just their interpretation of ramen that's i Oh, go ahead, Emily. Yeah, I feel like it's an interpretation. I feel like in Japan, there's a lot more thought and care placed into that than I found in places in America so much. Uh, And again, there's good places in America, but uh, here, you know, you go to specific stores for their take on ramen, and they usually put a lot of thought and care into what do I want the tare to be? What do I want the broth to be? What do I want the toppings to be? Like everyone, I think um, a common misconception that people have when they come to Japan looking to try ramen is they're like, oh, ramen, it comes with naruto, like the fish cake. And there's also going to be an egg on top and maybe some bamboo. And I I think people kind of think that ramen has to have these things. But in actuality, um, you know, shops here and chefs here really interpret ramen in a lot of different ways and they will really carefully craft a bowl for you to represent the feeling that they want you to, you know, like a particular feeling, a particular taste, a particular like experience. That's what I found. Frank, what do you think? I think, you know, those three things, right? Uh, broth and that being uh, tare aroma oil soup, let's say, and then noodles and toppings. Like if it's it's difficult, right? If 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 you have two out of three, is it still ramen or not? You know, um, I think maybe ramen is more defined by the noodles and toppings. I often say this on the mm-hmm. tours tour, but if there were rice noodles, would that make it less mm-hmm. ramen? If it's not the wheat flour mm-hmm. noodles with the sodium bicarbonate, right? Like this, these are. These are things that make you question, like, where do you draw that line? I think you can certainly experiment with the soup. And as you both highlighted, whether you're making it at home or at a Tokyo ramen shop, right? Like, you can do a lot of fun things. Okay, so shifting the conversation just a little bit. Ramen, making ramen at home is like a dangerous proposition for some people. Because it's so, all those elements we were talking about, the broth, the tare, the noodles, it just seems like overwhelming and stuff. So I guess question for Frank, you've talked about making a lot of instant ramen. Have you ever tried to make a bowl of ramen at home? Like a real, That's, I didn't even think thing? about that question. Cause you do give ramen tours. Yeah. Right. And you eat a lot of ramen. This is a good one. Yeah. I've, yeah. um, I've certainly made it at home. I would say that I'm not, I think at, uh, I wouldn't have a successful ramen shop for the ramen that I've made. Okay. But, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, successful asterisk mark. I mean, no, I, I've, um, you know, to, to better understand, like, I think 
you know, of course, like just not having me only talk about how it's prepared, you know, of course, uh, diving straight in and understanding myself, like how it's prepared. Um, no, I've, I've done, you know, broth, noodles and toppings, um, of, of course, before, but it's a lot of work. Uh, you know, those three mm -hmm. things, even if you're outsourcing one of them, when I say outsourcing, right, like not making your own noodles and noodles themselves are just such a big Hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard so um you know both of you i know you've made ramen at home like hats off it's it's not easy as, <laughs> as you know like putting all of it together harmony is you know included in that uh, conversation yes um so yes i've yes. i've um i've made it and i think you know right now i'm quite busy but i kind of want to dive back into it and just set aside some time where it's like no nope, i'm gonna get back to trying to make uh, a beautiful soup maybe just doing the soup you know for a certain period of time oh, right yeah. and then doing okay we'll yeah. get back to noodles later just because yeah it, i love that philosophy yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like meal prepping because a lot of people i i think we we take advantage of the fact that it's like you guys are out in, in tokyo right for me to go get a bowl of ramen i probably have to travel 35 to 40 minutes minimum right and like i will do that because even if i spend 40 minutes driving go order my food and eat my food and then come home. It's like a two and a half hour deal. But for me to make that would take two or two or three days. Right. Mm. So maybe if you're making it at home, like you said, focus on like one day, you're just going to make the broth. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you make enough broth to also like freeze it. So you can mm. freeze, I don't know, six or seven different portions of it. And then you have it in the freezer and then make mm. your noodles and noodles freeze really well. That's, that's a good take. I like that a lot. Yeah. Practicing, well, practicing and perfecting a skill, you know, if you want to get good at something, you got to do it a couple of times to like figure out what's going on. I think the first time I ever, okay. So coincidentally, the first time I ever made ramen at home, I was recording this video for Crunchyroll and we posted it online and it like got 14 million views or something like that. And I felt like a real sham because that was the first time I'd ever made ramen before ever. And, um, all these people were watching this video and looking back on it, I was like, Oh, this is, this is not good. Like this is this is really bad. I really I feel like I misinformed some people about what goes into a good you know ramen soup. But uh, I don't know. I feel like I was curious, um, Paul. Like what you talked about a ramen that you made at home that sounded really good based on the Demon Slayer character. Um, what's your favorite? Is that is have you made any other ramens? Like what's your favorite one or most interesting ramen that you've mm. ever made? I would say my favorite because of the. The e it's so easy to make is just like a miso ramen, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you're letting the miso flavor the soup versus having to wait for bones to boil. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when you emulsify pork bones, it takes 12 hours. Like you can't rush it. I mean, maybe with like a, what is it? The Instapots, that yeah, like yeah, pressure yeah. cooker. But I still feel like that's not the same as just mm -hmm. cooking it for a long period of time. Um, I love pork miso ramen because again mm. it's so easy you can do it in like 30 minutes grab some dried noodles my i think my favorite bowl that i have made is just a straight up spicy tonkatsu like mm. just a good old spicy tonkatsu but like i i like adding spice of from like a few different chilies so i'll use like the chinese red pepper flakes i'll also use szechuan peppercorn in there mm. which is like the ma and la flavors which is not very traditional in ramen but then yeah. i'll throw like charred jalapenos with corn on top of oh. it because like i like mexican influences oh. right like i like throwing that stuff on top of it i like my little pad of butter on mm. top you know for like yeah. that extra richness and so when i make ramen 
I think of it as like all of my favorite little things and how I can bring it into one bowl. Mm. Right. So I would, I would love to do like a Mexican inspired ramen. Maybe like we were talking about earlier where it's like, you're using like a mole base. Yeah. Yeah. With like charred chilies and all this other stuff. And it's just something you've never had before. And that's, I don't know for, for me, it's, it's gotta be tonkatsu has been my favorite to make, but I won't go through the effort of making it very often because I know how much work it is. Those kind of fusion ramens are really excite me and, and like like uh, a Mexican fusion ramen kind of... Oh, that sounds so much fun. I've made one ramen at home, also from the anime Miss Koizumi Loves Ramen Noodles, that's uh, a German-inspired ramen. Mm. And so the broth is like a nice creamy tonkatsu, but then the toppings are like um, basically bacon, speck. Uh, there was like, like Bavarian, a Bavarian seasoning that I sprinkled on top as well as some sauerkraut and this bowl of ramen was like surprisingly so good because all the flavors were so in balance with the little bit of the sauerkraut there and then um you know you had the nice kind of like porky bacon element to it and that was really really fun and i i like that idea of like fusing those sort of flavors together and and so frank on i to, to kind of piggyback off that topic do you see a lot of fusion restaurants or ramens when you go out that are not maybe like off the wall, like the chocolate ramen or anything you've had, but maybe you've seen like a, a German inspired, Mexican inspired, anything like that. Do you see those often at all in Tokyo or during your ramen tours? Sometimes. Um, yes, but maybe not as often as um, we'd, we'd like to see. I think, um, you know, sometimes they'll do like, I, I feel like a lot of ramen restaurants in Tokyo, they might do like a gente, which is basically a limited time bowl. And that's a right. fun yeah. sort of space for them to experiment. You know, maybe this is only available in the summer, right? They'll switch it up mm. um, for the spring, fall, winter, like a different sort of bowl. But not as much like, yeah, uh, let's say a, a Mexican uh, cuisine inspired ramen or something like that. But um, you know, and this is, you know, not, not to say that, that there isn't, of course, right? The fun thing about ramen, again, is like still experimenting, right? That's how ramen was created in the beginning, right? By experimenting, taking mm-hmm. these Chinese dishes and tweaking them. Um, but with some places, and depending on where you are in Tokyo, even in the country, you know, maybe that experimentation will stop at certain points, right? But outside of Japan, like maybe this is where the best ramen is going to be when, yeah, you don't have the same ingredients that you do in Japan, right? So if you're trying to do right. exactly what they're doing in japan it might not be the same and as long as you're you know a mexican cuisine inspired ramen like what what you described like it it, it would be delicious like as long as like harmony is there right if there's that harmony overall um why not uh ramen can take different forms i think outside of japan and yeah of course people are going to have differing opinions as to whether like okay that's not ramen or it still is ramen but that's what makes ramen and cuisine in general fun um, and I sometimes wish, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe a few other places would, would try to change things up a bit more. So <laughs> I, I got to ask, though, with all of the ramen tours you have done, what's been the how do I how do I put this in the most like PG terms possible? What's the weirdest story you've had with some of your guests <laughs> that mm-hmm. go along these tours? I want to know because yeah. I know. Like I've done, I've done wine tours before where you're supposed to like swirl the wine, sip it, and then spit it out. Nobody spits it out. Everybody's drunk as hell, right? <laughs> so, so what are the, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you guys during a tour? 
You know, I, I wish I had some story, but I can't think of anyone. Uh, any, no, anyone now I gotta anything. give you a story. I now I'll see you in three yeah, or four months. Wait. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I no, honestly, like everyone, um, you know, of of course, and I'm sure it's been the case with the wine tasting as well. But everyone is wonderful. You know, I think, um, you know, there's some people that maybe know nothing about ramen, right? But that's just simply a case of like me explaining more, or, you know, getting them better acquainted, even if they need to use mm -hmm. a fork or something like that, right? If they're not, you know, used to chopsticks. So, no, on, honestly, and I know it sounds boring um, <laughs> in a podcast, but I can't think of any like crazy story, you know, like um, mm -hmm. everyone's on vacation, they're in great spirits, they want to eat ramen, mm -hmm. they're probably adventurous, let's say, if they're coming from you know, somewhere far away, um, you know, they're, they're there to eat and learn about ramen. And um, yeah, there haven't been too many crazy stories. Um, mm. That's such. fair. So now yeah. we got to do like a, a ramen night crawl or something where yeah. you, you start I the crawl think, at like 11 p.m. I think if alcohol was introduced, <laughs> I would have some crazy stories for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to change things quite a bit, I think, as the night goes yeah. on. I, I'm because because you guys are both out there. I like nighttime culture feels completely different than daytime culture, doesn't it? Especially mm -hmm. like with eating and drinking and anything like that. Yeah, I love it. It's so debauched. Like you know, night, <laughs> Just night falls, night yeah. falls, and then everyone kind of goes. I mean, not everyone, obviously not everyone, but like if you walk in some of the main city centers, like Shibuya, Shinjuku. It is like it's just funny to me, you know. People really go hard in the evening, and part of that is the culture here. Like, there's a very strong drinking culture, um, and especially drinking with your coworkers. You relax after a long day of work, and it can be very bad. Like, there's there's a lot of bad things that happen. I've witnessed some literal like blood on the ground. People pass like really bad. Hopefully stuff. not from the ramen eating. No, but I think it is funny because night falls and people start drinking and I think people kind of like lose a little bit of their inhibition. I feel like Japan is a country where everyone during the day is focused and task oriented and we're going to work and we're doing this and we're running errands and we're, you know, whatever we need to do. And then night kind of comes and you have a couple of drinks and you're like, you know what? A bowl of ramen sounds great. Like, am I that hungry? Maybe I am. Maybe I haven't eaten all day because I've been so busy working or whatever. Um, but there's kind of a release to it. Uh, and this is very much much just like a vibe that I feel there's nothing you just walk around and you see people like ramen shops full to bursting at like 11 at night and I, there's just something about that that I really love that I would never get in the suburb that I grew up in you know yep and and like you said earlier you're either eating ramen at 11 a.m or 11 p.m and that's that's a vibe. so growing up in the restaurant industry and I'm, and I'm sure you guys can kind of equate to this but like the last thing you want to do is cook for yourself after you're done mm. with your shift. Yeah. And so what we would do is we would, if it was a late night, like Thanksgiving night, we would probably be working till midnight, right? After mm -hmm. everybody's fed and like everything's cleaned up and we would go for ramen. We would go yeah. find a small joint Amazing. that's open till three in the morning, right? And just eat a $10 bowl of ramen and drink mm -hmm. lots of pints of beers, right? <laughs> that's how, that's how that's we did so it. Good. I loved it. Yeah. 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 I'd love to see a, a nighttime tour from you, Frank. So I'm going to request that. I, uh, yeah, I it's, uh, it's on the request list. Um, and, and it's funny, like, um, <laughs> you know, my, my main blog is actually 5am ramen, 5am ramen.com. Yeah. So everything you both mentioned, I mean, it's, it's tied to that, you know, a nice, uh, bowl nightcap, um, at the end of a, yeah. at the end of a long night it. or at the beginning of the oh, night, 11pm or 5am. Um, yeah. Ramen yeah, is there yeah. for you. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that philosophy so much because it sounds like it, it's it's like a little piece of home for a lot of people in a lot of ways. Yeah. So whether or not you're finishing the day or starting the day, like ramen is there for you. It sounds mm. so weird to say it that way, but that's how I know that's how I feel about bagels. I can eat a bagel in the morning or in the evening and I'm good. You know? Yeah. So it's sometimes a meditative experience too. Like if you go into a ramen shop and you're eating alone, you're just sitting at the counter. It's just you and the ramen, and like yeah. you got to face your fears. You look into that bowl of ramen and you see your future. <laughs> and you're like, this is it. I you know, like it, it's it's just like an experience yeah. where it's just you and this thing. And um, in my case, I always bring a book with me to read or whatever. But like if you're just eating, it's kind of it is meditative. It's like a, a reflection moment, and it's a good bowl of soup and it's comforting and um you can never go wrong in tokyo you're, you're always going to find something good and new i mean i got four ramen shops on my street corner and like i don't I'm even so live in jealous. a main area I'm so jealous so yeah. you have no yeah. idea so i i kind of want to ping it off with this frank if you could give advice to anyone visiting who mm. like like you said country's open people are coming through what would be like one or two things you would highly recommend people to to try to do that maybe is not a particular restaurant or anything, mm-hmm. but maybe they're looking for a, a new favorite ramen joint. You know, mm-hmm. obviously go to your blog and check that out. You know, maybe book a tour. That would be mm-hmm. ideal because that's what I want to do because you just chauffeur me around and point me to food and that's great. <laughs> but if they're just going on their own, what what is something you could recommend for people to do? I think just you're, you're coming all the way to Japan, like maybe get outside of your comfort zone. I feel like people that are already coming here are probably outside of their comfort zone, even if they've been here before, like... I think if what you've had up to now has been mostly tonkotsu or spicy miso, try something different. Mm. Of course, if you're here for two days for work, you know, yeah, maybe you don't have uh, that much time. But if you've got a week or so, like try a great shoyu or shio soy sauce salt seasoned ramen. You might yeah. be blown away in the same way that people when they finish a tour, it's like, wow, that shio was my favorite on the whole tour. You know, if it's something you haven't had before, like expand beyond that. I think a lot of people yeah. will tend to go to the same like five or ten places, which which are great, of course. You know, there's for example Funji for Skemen. A lot of tourists go there. Um, they'll do Rokurinsha at uh, Tokyo Station. They'll do Kikambo for spicy miso. They'll do Ichiran for tonkotsu, right? Like these are all great places, yeah. of course, right? But I think there's yeah again five to ten. Outside of that, um, there are a lot. You know, there's eight thousand ramen shops in the whole Tokyo metro metro area, right? So. There's a lot out there, and yeah, eat, eat those, of course, but maybe try some other styles too. Try some other places. There's a mm, lot to I discover. Love I love yeah, that. Good advice. How about you? Yeah, and, and to, to kind of elaborate on that, this is what I did when I was out there. I wrote everything down that I ate and like a little description and like physically wrote it down instead of just typing in my phone and then posting it to the internet, which didn't really exist in any capacity back then, right? <laughs> So like, write it down, guys. Get a little yeah. $1 notepad, put it in your pocket. Yeah. There you yeah, go. No. Yeah. Definitely. Sweet. Okay. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to sign off here. We're going to tell the people to please go uh, support us on Patreon. We need to pay our editor. <laughs> and um, we've got some cool content on, on Patreon for you guys if you want to go ahead and contribute to us. Um, check out Frank's stuff. We're going to leave all yes, of his links all below. All of Frank's stuff is going to be down below because yeah. I am definitely going to be using his services when I visit in yeah. 
eight, eight to nine months, whatever month yeah. it is right now. Yes. I know. I know. I Joe and I are going to book in. Yeah. In, no, we're, not we're even. Really I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be following you, man. Just put food in my mouth. <laughs> that can certainly be arranged. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Sweet. check out Frank's stuff and go, um, you know, support him, book a tour with him. You're going to have a great time. And uh, I think that's all. Anything else, Paul? No, I think that's it. Franks, thanks. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. Yay, and uh, guys, you. we'll we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>